1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Whoa, people got pretty upset last week when I started recounting a dream that I'd had without saying that it was a dream until I woke up. I had to share the story with you in real time so that you would understand what I went through when this story was being told to me in my dream. So I hope that I am forgiven. I got a lot of messages in real time of people listening to the dream and being like, Gather it! I mean, I'll read some of the ones that I got. I asked you for your dreams. Nobody really got in touch with their own dreams, which was annoying because I want to hear what you've had going on in your subconscious. And I want to see if I could be a dream specialist because a lot of these jobs are pure bullshit Um, as evidenced by so many of you basically posing as dream specialists. I love it. I love it. So if you haven't listened to last week, go ahead, but you don't have to. You can just start now. This is what you've been writing me about my dream last week. Um, I listened to your cheating dream, Catherine, in last week's episode, and it must have sunk into my subconscious because last night I also had a dream that my husband was cheating on me. (laughs) Similar setup. We agreed he could have a sexual relationship with this brunette girl, and I was pretending to be chill about it, but she started to fall in love with him. Long story short, I woke this morning both absolutely livid with him and also very horny. We had morning sex missionary (laughs) parents of a baby and toddler so this is rare it was a win that made my week however i've spent the day still fuming at him so i needed to write you anyway to say thanks for getting me laid um you're welcome and we are such stupid dumb animals at the end of the day like i get the dynamic of you feeling jealous and territorial made you really sad but it also made you horny you've just had a toddler and a baby. So I guess in a like tribal community where he had many wives or you thought that his relationship with you was under threat for some reason, or someone was falling in love with him, you'd be like mine. And then you would have hot, hot missionary morning sex with him. I don't feel horny from jealousy at fucking all. Maybe I would have. I remember I had a boyfriend who cheated a lot in real life, not dreams. I didn't have dreams about him, just like cold, sweaty nightmares. Um, but one of the times he cheated, on me, and I found out I was so sad. And the only thing that I wanted was to feel better. And he was annoyingly the only person who could make me feel better, even though he was also the person that made me feel sad. So I did let him back in the house and I did have sex with him and... I felt disgusting right afterwards. I was like, no, wait, I forgot I hate you. And our relationship dissolved. And now if I ever felt threatened like that, maybe just because I'm old, like if I ever feel jealousy or I'm so fast to be like to the left, like I would not be enticed by that at all. So good. It shows that you and your husband still have some like, you know, ancestral like caveman roots, I guess. Good for you. I'm glad you had sex with your husband. You're probably pregnant again. And now your life is going to get existentially more rewarding, but short term, much, much worse. Another email. Catherine, I got to minute 650 of your podcast, and I hope that you are telling me this is a joke. If what you are saying was a letter addressed to you, your response would be, leave him, leave him, leave him, break up with him. This sucks. I instantly lost all the respect I had for him, and so should you. Oh, it was a dream. Fine. Oh, who's calling me? Uh Uh-oh. Can't chat now. I'm leaving that in the podcast because no one ever calls me. It was really exciting. Catherine, more on the dream. I'm not a dream expert, but I've had psychotherapy for very specific trauma I experienced. I'm really sorry about that. My therapist would analyze my dreams, so I've learned to take a similar approach to them. Here is the interpretation of your dream in layman's terms. The fact that the interaction with the sex guests, I love that you're calling them that, occurred in the kitchen tells me betrayal for you centers around outside influences impacting your family the intimacy violation isn't so much about sex but lines being crossed when it comes to your family the kitchen is the hub of the home and family meals are despite sometimes being manic integral bonding moments it's often a symbol for comfort the altar of your home for lack of a better word Maybe for you, I could be totally wrong. You could cope with Bobby cheating on you if it was, I say this lightly, no offense to those who've been cheated on, just sex. But any non-sexual intimate relationship with another woman who was more emotionally invested in him and the kids would have a deeper impact. I would say that's true for everyone. I would not tolerate just sex for a start. Nope. You're living on the streets. And number two, if someone was like, emotionally attached to my husband and my kids, then yeah, I think, yes, that would be terrible. So that's why I had the dream in the kitchen, you think. okey doke. You don't want anyone to come between you and your family, be it work, other family members, other women, etc. A platonic female is one thing, but if a new woman came on the scene and did meaningful family things with him, it might be viewed as emotional cheating. Of course it would. The fact that you remained calm tells me you would do anything to keep stress away from your kids, true. As for you, a calm, non-hostile home is crucial. Some families do argue and yell, and that's how some resolve things, but not you. You would conceal everything you feel in order to prevent the kids from feeling your pain. Fact. The fact that Violet was so protective over you tells me that you feel a deep bond with her from being a single mom. To be fair, this is evident because you have said so much on the podcast, but I don't know you. I would interpret it as this. You, each, you have each other's backs, and Violet has learned how to protect and nurture her family in her own way the shower is also a violation of your core family values as it, it was in your ensuite <laughs> it was in my ensuite of my bedroom although that's a bedroom i don't even sleep in anymore i still use the shower occasionally cuz we're co-sleeping and friends with bobby and amatha this to me would be as hurtful as being cheated on with sex uh, is what with sex as a shower is intimate intimacy violations that aren't sex can be just as bad or in some cases worse a partner sleeping with someone else is full stop wrong but for me if my partner cooked for another woman or had a shower with another woman i would feel emotionally violated men can switch off during sex but not so much with the above. Or the dream might mean you feel pressure to be everything to everyone and it's hard to satisfy everyone. You fear you are replaceable, but you're not. Let's make that clear. And let's make it clear right back to you. No, I'm not replaceable at all. I think it would take a full-time staff of 10 to do what I do, not just around the house, but just like in, in life, and in work, and everything. I, I don't think that I'm replaceable at all. Trust me when I tell you that I know I am precious. I actually noticed my dad came to visit this week. He just left this morning and I have a great relationship with my dad. We talk all the time, we text, he's funny, he uses loads of emojis. He tells me what the weather's like in London from Canada, even though I'm looking out the window where I live in London. Um, but it struck me like uh, we all no no one's perfect. and I am a little bit of a overachiever. It has been suggested that I might have like helper syndrome, where I step in and try to fix everything for everyone as quickly as I can. And that's not really the way that you should be. You shouldn't be putting everyone's needs above your own. It creates, especially as a parent of a teenager, you know, it creates problems. My child needs to find her own independence. I can't be coming to the rescue for everybody all the time. But it's crazy because you're born, raised as a toddler even, People start helping by 18 months. They understand what helping is, and that's supposed to be a good thing. And you're supposed to help as much as you can. But then they tell you as an adult, well, don't, tell, don't help too much. You have helper syndrome. No, I don't, I'm just a mom, is another definition. But um, I have very high self-esteem, too high, some people might argue. But during my dad's visit, I was like, he sort of interrupted me like all the time. <laughs> And then in the morning, he came down the stairs. I had Fena on the potty. And maybe he was just interrupting me because he can't hear as well as he used to. But I had Fena on the potty. She woke up and was peeing on the potty. And I'm so proud of my very small potty trained children. I always want to shout about it all the time. And I said, look, dad, look. And he was like, well, and I said, she's going to the potty. And he was like, yeah. I said, "Um, have you seen many potty trained small infants under a year old? And he just was like, well, yeah like carried on with this day. And it's amazing that I have like professional achievements and things. And I don't really care about that. But I really expected him to stop and be like, amazing, Catherine. Like, it's really fucking cool that you're able to potty train three girl, boy, girl, like small, small kids. Like, good for you. Like you really go above. I don't know why I expected him to say that, but he didn't. And I thought in that moment when he didn't say it, I was sat on the floor with my daughter and I said, I think out loud, I said, I am precious. I am precious. I know that I'm precious. So don't you worry about me. Another analysis of the dream. Oh, but can we just put a pin in the last letter? Why is it that we always say, well, men can separate sex. Why do they get that all the time? Men are able to separate sex from love. Well, guess what? Like maybe if we weren't so fucking busy, we could do. (laughs) All right. Try using a Carl Jung type of analysis on your dream. In this method, all the characters in the dream should be different aspects of you. I have heard of this. Maybe the conscious part of you is played by you and the subconscious part of you is the girl, and then Bobby is representing yet another part of you. I relate to the dream because I know the feeling of a conflict between how much romance is possible in a relationship with small children and my own wants and how to feel sexy while aging. Fuck you for saying that. Fuck you for saying that aging how dare you i'm not aging (laughs) i look better than ever i just got a haircut i'm living the baby bob and it works for me because of my long aging face it's a mess of feelings that may represent in the subconscious as quite a drama I recently got a breakthrough personally when I acknowledged my own romantic needs instead of focusing on where we as a couple did not fulfill his needs. I think this focus is in our culture and nobody talks about how sometimes women's libido is very likely to grow after the age of 30. And personally, I think this can be the source of a lot of frustration in relationships. Not to say that this has got anything to do with, you know, just something the dream made me think about. Good luck with the interpretation. The first thing that I jumped on... Oh, this is a new email. The first thing that I jumped on is the fact that there were two women. You spent a lot of time describing the humdrum wing woman, reflecting perhaps the humdrum cycle of family life. The other woman being bold and spontaneous, taking what she wanted. Yep, that's you, too. Violet being on side for you is a beautiful thing. You two are solid. Your reaction to the dream was pretty much zen, which is how you come across in real life. So I think the dream was a message to remain so. You've been through so much change in the last few years, marriage, pregnancies, babies in rapid succession, a new home, settling Violet into the new life you have, plus your incredible career to maintain. I think you answered your own question when you said about therapy and how much you miss Pam. (laughs) Honestly, you are superhuman, have achieved pretty much worldwide recognition. I can't begin to fathom how much drive that takes. You've got it in spades, but maybe see Pam. You know, I also had a few emails that were like, stop stop what you're doing. Every episode now you're like guilty and sad and you're always apologizing for something. Take a year off. And I feel like maybe the listeners have identified that I'm like in the middle of some type of breakdown, but I don't know. I've, okay. If I take the Carl Jung approach to this dream, um, I can recount the dream quickly for you in case you didn't hear last week or if you need to catch up because I remember it vividly. And oh, I loved a few messages on my social media that were like, Bobby announced he wanted an open relationship in the morning and then had two babes in the house by dinner time. Good for him. Yes, good for him. It happened very quickly. Basically, you know how dreams kind of have no time or no space. So right away in the dream, as soon as it began, Bobby was saying to me, we don't have time for each other, so let's have other relationships just for a while until the children are bigger and then we'll come back together, just like we came back together from being split up for our like young adult life. And I was like, huh, Uh, whatever. For some reason, I was fine with it, even though in real life, I would not be fine with that at all. So then by dinner time, we're all around the table and I have cooked dinner, which should have been another red flag. I don't really cook that much in the house. And my children around the table, the babies, Violet, Bobby, these two random babes. And when I say random babes, they were just like very regular 30 something women, you know, the kinds of women that I don't know how to describe, just not anyone like super exciting. They didn't have great chat at the dinner table. It wasn't someone that I would be fascinated by or someone I would aspire to. Like I'm very comfortable with who I am and I like being the way I am. These weren't ba- It's not like he came in with like Emily Radikowski and I was like, damn it. It was just like two random girls. Um, no offense. It's very fine to be ordinary if that's what you want to be. And one of them was just the wing woman for the other. The other was the one that Bobby was seeing. I don't know how I knew this, but I knew it in the dream. And I didn't like what was going on, but I kept my mouth shut. I was just like, this is inappropriate in front of the children, but whatever. So then Bobby went up into the shower at some point. And the one girl who was seeing him says to me, where's Bobby? I said, he's in the shower. And she went up and got in the shower with him. My ensuite shower, even though we have four other showers in the house, we have like seven bathrooms. She had options if she needed to like take a shower, but she like, you know, got into the shower purposely with him. And I'm cleaning up everything from dinner and putting the kids to bed. And I'm thinking, this is taking the piss. Like, my kids are still awake. Like, I knew in my mind it was inappropriate, but I had a choice of reactions, I guess, was to freak out and drag her out of the shower. or uh, And Violet was mouthing off and, like, really sticking up for me. Being like, what the fuck is this? And, like, giving eyes to this girl. But I just was like, I'm putting my kids to bed. I'm just going to carry on and put my kids to bed. And that was the dream. And then I woke up and I was furious with Bobby. And I, I know there's so many partners who wake up and you're like, what did I do when your wife's mad at you? It's because these dreams at the time feel very real. And Bobby was like, well, I apologize for whatever like happened in your subconscious in the dream. So I suppose if I am me, then yeah, that listener was absolutely right. You are right, listener. I am pretty much Zen all the time. And there are many reasons for that. I think Maya Jama in an interview not that long ago was saying, I've had it rough and I know how great I have it now. So I'm happy all the time. I haven't had it as rough as Maya Jamma in her, you know, the storytelling of her life. It sounds like some really traumatic things happened, but uh, I've had it up and I've had it down. And I also see the world. I know what's going on. I don't really talk a lot about the news on this podcast. I don't feel like it is necessarily the place of a clown to address every very important issue. And also when people reach out on social media and they're like, why aren't you commenting about this? It's like, you know, demand a ceasefire. It's like, how many of my like TikToks demanding a ceasefire do you think will be successful? Like I, I just, I'm not, you know, I accept the things I can't change. And I, tr- you know, I try to be useful, but I just think, Social media is maybe not the place. Like every single person be like, done my due diligence, posted demand ceasefire. That's me finished for the day. It's like I start really small and I make sure that the people that I love and care about and that I... I'm responsible for in my home are as happy and fulfilled and calm and peaceful as possible. And then if I can radiate that outward as much as I can by trying to take stress off people or give people advice or make people laugh, then I try to do that. And then I try to do some philanthropy and I try to donate to causes and I do try to speak out about issues. But I mean, like how much can we really achieve anyway? I don't think this is the place for that podcast, but because, or this podcast is the place for that rather, but because I can see the world, I know how lucky I am. What would I have to be stressed about? What would I ever have to shout about? What would I ever have to be angry about? Even if this shower dream was real. Okay. Like, no offense to men, but my estimation of them was not sky high from the start. And like, it would be a shame. But at the end of the day, my children are safe and well, and we'd work through it. And, you know, things happen. So like, yes, the real me, stays stay zen in the dream. Am I also my children in the dream? Am I also maybe oblivious to certain things that are happening right in my face? Am I being protected by a system or by someone else so that I can just coast in very comfortable apathy sometimes? Maybe I'm also my children. Am I Violet? And I am, you know, someone who stands up for what I believe in and I speak out and I would I do have a really hard time, I guess, when I see injustices happening in it, and I don't know what I can do to stop it except maybe mouth off or have an attitude like she did. And maybe, maybe Violet felt disappointed in the way that I didn't react and I was so zen. Maybe sometimes I feel disappointed in myself at being very permissive and I don't really react all the time when I feel that there's an imbalance. I do feel that I do a lot. Um, Maybe I'm also the babes. I am the wing woman babe who just sat quietly and ate her free meal. (laughs) Kind of don't know what she was for in the dream. Why was she there? She was just like there for backup. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. The listener who said it, she just represents the humdrum family life of like same time, same place, dinner. I'm just going to sit here quietly and nothing exciting is going to happen for me. And then the woman... Who got in the shower? I don't really know what her M.O. is. Uh, I don't know how I am her at all. I guess what she was doing in the dream was like, okay, I think she was being really inappropriate. Uh, She was totally not reading the room. Like, she's an absolute animal for coming to a married woman's house and sitting down and eating with her children and then getting in the shower with her husband. Like, that woman is just completely... (laughs) completely out to lunch, totally unaware of like social norms and like what's acceptable and what's appropriate in any given setting. And just, yeah, absolutely. I guess goes for what she wants is totally unbothered by consequences for the casualties around her. I don't see myself in that girl at all. I'm very bothered by casualties and I wouldn't want to like <laughs> come in and be, have. or maybe she just thought it was, maybe she was like, it's amazing that I'm allowed here. I'm going to check it out. Maybe she was just very curious and uh, who knows. And then I am Bobby also. And Bobby in this dream, I guess, I mean, he, it's not even like he had like a voracious sexual appetite for this woman. He was just like, hey, I mean, I guess it goes back to the beginning of the dream when he was like, Yo. We don't have time for each other at all. So let's just have other relationships until these kids are bigger and then we'll get back to us. I very much have that attitude toward our relationship where I'm like, hey, these kids are very small and we have to co-sleep with them. And it's not even about sleeping. People ask me all the time about sex. I don't think there are a lot of couples like using their marital bed for anything but sleep. I really don't. I think people have sex in all types of weird and wonderful places and times. And we have a very big house. And many spare rooms, not to mention, oh yeah, the podcast studio. Um, but I do have plans for the future. And I do have things that I want to do with our relationship when the kids are bigger. I, you know, I have plans for the future. And I understand that we're in sort of a temporary purgatory on certain things. But that's not to say that I want to like do anything about it right now or that I would, <laughs> that I would. I guess Bobby in the dream like totally imposed upon his family and was like totally blind to what I was feeling and how much that would hurt me and maybe I am that way with Bobby sometimes you know maybe I just put not a woman in the shower first but maybe I put um my kids definitely first I think again we say men do this and men do that but I do think men sometimes struggle with their children being prioritized above what they used to have in a partnership though Bobby's never mentioned that um I certainly put work first although I'm here a lot as well yeah I mean he put this shower woman above like my feelings in the family and I'm sure that I've done that with him you know maybe he really doesn't like the idea of co-sleeping and I'm just doing it and maybe You know, I talk a lot about like, well, the gut microbiome with the kids and the potty train, and maybe he's just like, oh my God, I can't wait until you are who you used to be again. So maybe. I I loved that dream, you know? Like, I just feel sometimes like such a witch. I love looking into the subconscious. So thank you so much for all of your messages on that. Here's a message, a really spicy one, hot off the press, somewhat related to the dream. It is from a woman, and it is about... Being on the flip side of an affair. Catherine, I am a married woman and mother. Three years ago, I had an affair. I was the one to betray my husband and the children. In this scenario, the woman was the baddie. Thank God. Thank God. I don't think women should be bad, but every time a woman is bad, I'm like, finally, some representation. I posted a clip of the dream on my socials, and there were so many men who are so fucking lazy, they didn't even make it to the end or read the caption to find out it was a dream. And they were like, well, not all men are like, why don't you say that there are men who aren't liars? And I was like, that's literally what I say at the end, that there are great men out there. And uh, the men who hate hearing about bad men will love hearing about bad women. So thank you so much for your letter. Let's see what happened. At the height of it, it was exciting, empowering, and an infinite boost of confidence. We would talk for hours, I mean like eight hours a week. We would meet up in the woods, in our cars, after work, both married, both with children, both consumed by the overwhelm of life and both suddenly addicted to this very real hit of dopamine in each other. It was exhilarating and sometimes just downright dirty. It's difficult to think of a bar restroom in the West End where a blowjob wasn't given. Well, do you mean full stop by the gay community or by you? You were giving blowjobs in every bar, restroom in the West End? Do you know how many restaurants there are in the West End? I'm gonna ask my phone. How many restaurants are there in London's West End? Let's find out. Oh, it doesn't know. The internet doesn't know doesn't know. It's only just giving me the 10 best. Well, I hope you gave your blowjobs in the 10 best restaurants, 30 best West End restaurants. All right. So you've given like many blowjobs. Wow. I mean, what, what? And you have kids. How are you finding time to do this? After years of me holding the house together, bringing up the children, not sleeping a full night for four years, and my husband sleeping soundly, floating freely of any mental workload, and never even acknowledging my nighttime yo-yo solo performances juggling children that wouldn't sleep, me doing all the family admin, running the family social calendars, the children's club, their school places, their school social life, all whilst I was working full-time in senior positions in a demanding professional career, it turned out... That I needed some validation. I needed to feel seen as something other than an exhausted mother and a homemaking slave. Was it the right way to go about it? Perhaps not. <laughs> I mean, the last thing you want to add to your workload is a fucking hundred restaurant bar bathroom blowjobs. No wonder you fucking exhausted. I don't know how I didn't sleep through the night after that. Inevitably, it came out and it was destructive on both sides for a time but I actually came out a better person. I had amazing therapy as a result of it. We had couples therapy, my husband had his own therapy. We're both lucky that we each wanted to stay with each other. It could have easily gone the other way. We're much better people to each other now. Oh my God, I carry a level of self-worth and there's mutual respect that we never had before. I am a better wife and better mother for it. I am a better wife and a better, better mother for having given like a hundred blowjobs in bars and restaurants? No judgment, but like, this is blowing my mind. I've never heard of this ever before in my life. Hang on, there's mutual respect that you never had before. You have a bigger level of self-worth. My therapist was my greatest ambassador and I'm forever grateful that she came into my life. She made me realize that all of us and there will be many high performing women listening to your podcast. All of us are very hot property. If we are rinsed of all our resources, we will eventually seek a route of acknowledgement. Do I regret it? No. Do I think of my affair partner? A little. <laughs> we probably miss each other equally. Oh, my God. I need to take my sweater off. What the fuck? Oh, my God. So you had a partner and you we were with him for a while and you gave him all these blowjobs. And again, I'm not sex shaming you like good for you. People love getting blowjobs. And you felt all of a sudden seen. And finally, you were like, oh, these needs are being met. And I've just been I need to get back to like my identity and I need to do something bad to get this dopamine hidden to, to fuck everything up so I can rebuild it. I get that. But you are telling me that you got back with this man. You both had couples therapy. You guys love each other, but you still think about your, like, lover a little bit? I don't know. I don't know if this is marriage that I could ever be in. If my partner was like, I went down on 100 women in Soho, and now let's get therapy, and I still think about her. It's the still thinking about him that kills me, but maybe, like... Some other listeners have pointed out we act like the gender doesn't exist, but we are different. And maybe your husband is like, I don't mind you thinking about it. marriage is so stupid. Like marriage is a prison, actually, because you love someone and then you sign this contract to be like, oh, I'm going to be with you in sickness and health and whatever happens and we're going to work it out. We're going to have these kids who really depend on us to like keep this partnership together and like loads of crazy things can happen and people can change. And you're meant to, like, still just find a way through. Let's read on. I mean, I'm sure you're happy, but I just don't see how. Okay. Do I think of my affair partner a little? We probably miss each other equally. We had something between us that no one could understand. But that was another time in another dimension. It wasn't another dimension, though. It was like right here on Earth. It really, really happened and behind your husband's back. And we both know that we survived what could have otherwise been a split of two families. Yes, we have spoken since as a post-mortem assessment of how the aftermath of the affair went. Are you guys living in Brighton by any chance? Like this is so modern for me to get my head around. I'm really struggling. I'm not saying to your female listeners, hey, go and have an affair, although the fun and exhilaration of it is off the scale. Hey, enjoy it if it does happen. I'm just saying, make sure as a mother, you are getting respect from your partner that you deserve, or if you are a partner, respect your woman. She is formidable, and a self-sufficient woman is one to keep on your toes, to keep you on your toes. Taking her for granted is not an option. I love all that you stand for, Catherine. My affair may have been against the sisterhood, but it was, in fact, one of the most empowering things I have ever gone through as a woman. Um... You are more empowered than I am. And your husband, like, I want to hear from him. Like, how did he get past this? I, lo- I like what you're saying. I very much hope that what you're saying is just a warning that people should keep. Okay, I think here's my fear about what you're saying. Because <laughs> it does sound very judgmental, my reaction. It's not supposed to be. Um, I think what I'm scared of is like, I would not want, as a self-sufficient woman that you speak to, a formidable, high, uh, what did you call us High-performing woman. Like, I think that I am all those things. And sometimes I do feel like I take on a lot. And I am terrified of being in a position where I meet someone and I have an affair and I have to go to the West End and, like, get on my knees in a public restroom. I won't even use public restrooms. And then I have to give a hundred blow jobs and like, j- like, I don't want to get that low that I'm like, this is what is going to empower me. Like, I love that you had a good time. I don't understand how you guys are like hashing this out. And I think the other thing that I'm scared of is I don't want my marriage to be like this at all. I don't want to be like, well, and, ma- and is that how marriages go? Cause I've only been married for four years. And is it after like 20 years or whatever that People are in such like a close marriage that they're like, well, you did this and we're just going to have therapy and move forward. And you can just discuss it again with your partner who you still think about and everything's going to be cool. That shape of a family terrifies me, but I'm so vanilla that it's not even funny. Like I am a friend and ally of loads of different kink communities, whatever you want to do. I think people should just be it's not great that you lied. People should be transparent and open and honest and like, that's fine. But in my life, no. No. And I'm scared that you're in love with this affair guy. And I hope that you're not just being like, and I had therapy and I love my husband so much. Because like, some people get really loud about the thing that they don't truly believe. And I'm worried that you miss this man to whom you gave 100 blowjobs. You must be great at blowjobs. Please write me again. Like anything you want to tell me on this podcast, I want to hear from you. You write me about how your day went. You start a podcast. I will share it with everyone. You are great. And you know, however you got here, I'm glad that you and your husband are now in a position of mutual respect and you feel empowered. I guess that's the only bit I needed to hear. All I'm hearing is you feel empowered. You're in a great marriage. Fine. Fine for you. Oh, it just sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a lot of work. I do feel rejuvenated by my dream. I feel like it was maybe not the shock I needed. It just kind of made me pissed off for about 72 hours. But these letters now, these reactions to my dream, I think, are the shock that I needed. Because I have had small children for too long. And I haven't slept in two and a half years. And you're right. You are damn right. If I don't get my needs met, which I'm not sure what those needs are yet, but I'll figure them out. And if I keep meeting everyone's needs before my own, which again, I'm probably not going to change because I feel like that's what a mom is supposed to do. I need to call Pam. You I need to get back on the horn to Pam because I ch- simply don't have time for all these blowjobs in the therapy that comes afterwards. It would be great to cut that part out of your story. Wouldn't you say you couldn't? It's part of your history. You're not ashamed of it. Great. But your warning to us is clear, madam. Thank you for your letter. Let's hear some words from our sponsors now. And when we return, we will see what new letters are in the inbox. If you ever want to write to me, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Or you can pop me a message on my socials. The only socials I'm really using right now are Instagram. And that's at KathBum. I am a terrible driver. Did you know that? Yesterday I had to go into Soho. No blowjobs were given, sadly. I had to wait for an Uber to get me to the station. We live on a tube line and I always take that to get into central London, but it's a bus or a bit of a walk away. So I often drive to the tube. I didn't want to park there because I'm really bad at parking. So I wanted to get an Uber. But sometimes in my neighborhood, they just aren't available. And I was going to be late for an appointment. So I just thought, well, I have a car. I got in my car and I decided to drive into central London, which is always a mistake. And I feel like traffic's getting worse. Drivers are getting worse. And it's not that I think on my own, I'm a terrible driver. Like if there were no other cars on the road (laughs) or if we were in Canada, where they have lanes that are built for SUVs, not for like a horse and buggy, then I would be fine. But... Man alive. Driving down was slow going. And I got there and it was pretty much uneventful. It was still light outside. It wasn't rush hour or anything. It was just like a random mm, Tuesday. And uh, there were a few mistakes like this one car was really trying to cut in and he had a trailer on the back of his truck and I didn't want to let him in because I'd already let a bunch of people in. So I sped up like, no, you can't come in actually. But he was one of those cars that was just signaling and bullying in anyway. So as he just came in anyway, as I was trying to stand my ground, I like veered off into the other lane just a little bit. And then there was a car beside me that was like, "Eh, eh, eh, what are you doing? Stay in your own lane. And I was like, I would have, but he didn't stay in his lane. And I know that what I should have done is like backed off. And I did that eventually. Like I didn't completely go into the Sky's Lane, but I did. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, And then I pissed someone else off. I forget what I did. And then when I got to Soho, I was right outside my appointment and I just don't know how to find parking in central London. So what I do is I just park wherever. I'll just be like, this is a parking. And I don't mean I'll park like in the middle of a nine year old's birthday party, but I will park just in a residence only parking area without being resident. If I can pay for parking, I do, but if I can't, and I, I parked in a residence only electrical charging area once too with my like diesel SUV, which was not great for the climate. But I just did that because I was like, I had to take the kids to the doctor last week and I was like, I just need to park right now because the kids are gonna cry, so what? So how much is a ticket? Like it's not ideal to get a ticket, but I don't drive in London that often. And I just feel like if you, this is girl math. This is how I explain girl math. To Bobby. It's like if I drove around for an extra 20 minutes and felt stressed and tried to find parking and then couldn't find it or maybe found it and had to wait and pay for it and then like walk back and then forget where I parked later and just not know how to get (laughs) home, isn't that more expensive than if I just park somewhere in an ambulance loading zone and I get like a 60 pound ticket or something? So, like, unfortunately, yeah, I feel like a bitch because I'm in the socioeconomic bracket where I just like leave my car somewhere. And sometimes I don't get a ticket. And then it's a real win for everyone. It's like, oh, I got a dream parking spot and no ticket. Or sometimes I think I didn't get a ticket, but they just send electronic tickets now. And then you get a nasty surprise in the mail like two weeks later. I want to get better. Did I endanger anyone's life? No. On the way back, it was raining and it was dark because my meeting went over. And that was kind of a spicy drive home. But ultimately, I didn't make any mistakes on that drive. Other people made mistakes and I navigated those mistakes and we were going so slowly, it was almost impossible to make mistakes anyway. Yes, I did drive too close to a black Mercedes like passenger car, like some type of van. And it was being driven by a lady, a lady of, of a like darker skinned ethnic origin than I am, but I don't know what what it was. I apologize. But if you are someone who was driving in central London in a black I'm so even bad at knowing cars. I know it was a Mercedes and it was like a van and I hit your mirror with my mirror. Sorry, (laughs) but I don't think that counts. Like she just carried on. She knew she like looked out the window and gave me a look, but she kept driving and she didn't like stop me and ask me for insurance and there was no damage. I just had to take my seatbelt off and lean over my next red light and like push my mirror out so I could see traffic again. So I didn't hit anybody else. But I'm very careful looking out for bikes and people walking and stuff. And I've never been in any accidents. So I don't know. Is that just how people drive? I just think that's called driving. That's not bad driving. That's just driving. Okay, let's see what we've got in the emails from Joanne. Joanne, Joanne. No. Oh, people were really pissed off about me doing an Australian accent. I got that memo loud and clear. Listen. I'm only messing, all right? And I'm allowed to mess with Australians because you're the same as Canadians. You were colonized by the British and whomever, just like I was, and however you were when you moved over there, you started talking different, and so did I and my ancestors. And we have a lot to feel sorry about. And I just think the Australian like jungle animals are inappropriate, that's all. But can you tell that I truly like Australians? Yes, I do. Like, why are you being so serious about everything and getting your feelings hurt? I sound like an abusive partner now. Okay, so many emails with regards to romance on the spectrum. Here's what Joanne says. (sighs) Catherine, I'm an autism specialist, and in reference to the end of your latest podcast, tell your listener to look up Maxine Ashton. She specializes in counseling for couples in which one or both of them have ASD. She's also published books on her work. There were so many more, so many more emails about romance on the spectrum, romance with any neurodiversity divergence. And I think that this was the best one that Joanne found a great resource. But just know that you're not alone. And there were so many listeners who wrote in about this, and to the point that I feel like doing a whole episode on it because I've got like hundreds of emails on that subject. Speaking of pimples, hello, Catherine. I was hoping that you might be able to give me some recommendations for skincare for my daughter. I have suffered with acne since my early teens, I'm now 47, and I'm having super expensive medical grade treatment at the moment. My daughter is 10 and has the most beautiful skin, but she has had a couple of tiny spots so far and I'm already getting worried that instead of her inheriting her father's quote, normal skin, she may be unlucky enough to have skin more like mine. What age did Violet start using skincare and is there anything in particular you would recommend? Thank you. (laughs) So I have no problem with the brand Drunk Elephant. I don't know anything about the brand Drunk Elephant. Have they ever reached out to do an ad on this podcast? No. But they are TikTok viral. Violet and all her friends really want everything from there. And we were lucky enough to walk into a skincare establishment. Where was that? I forget what it's called. It was at Oxford Circus anyway. And a very knowledgeable lady, uh, sales associate, said to my daughter, these are acids that you just don't need at your age. And she was like, well, I saw on TikTok. And the woman's like, listen, TikTok is ruining my life right now because I have tweens and teens coming in here and trying to get like sicylic acid and retinols and all these really harsh things that they don't need at their age. At your age, you just need to cleanse, moisturize and use SPF. That is all that your daughter needs. And remind her to keep her hair out of her face as much as she can because there's oil in your hair that isn't supposed to be on your face. And just get that girl in a really good cleansing routine. If you want to treat her every once in a while to like a facial or a mud mask in a couple of years, um, some exfoliating treatments, if you notice puberty is starting to get her skin more oily or dry or however that goes, then absolutely do it. But at this age, I think just establish like a really good skincare routine regime, uh, respect and care for her skin as an organ. Um, because let's face it, like if she does get your skin, you can tackle that problem when it comes, but you don't want her to feel shame from an aesthetic place. You know what I mean? It's just like her body. You you wouldn't tell your daughter to be thin or to eat less so that she's small. You would just be like, nourish your body with these healthy fruits and vegetables and move your body and love your body and wash your body. It's the same with her face. Um, I'm sure that she's going to be beautiful no matter what. But if acne comes knocking at the door later on, I think that Differin, D-I-F-F-E-R-I-N, it's a vitamin A that I use not because I've ever had acne. It's just good for cell turnover. It's like a retinol for people our age. But I think for it's for acne. I think she could use that too. But for now, oh my gosh, SPF, cleanse, moisturize, maybe a, a vitamin C serum in the morning. That might even be too harsh for her. And ultimately, I think it's about introducing a really healthy attitude to the like uh, holistic health of her skin and her body. Don't worry, you're killing it. You're beating, you need to analyze your dreams, madam, because you are worried about, like, oh, I don't want her to get my skin. I want her to get her father's skin. Don't worry. Like, you have shame about something from your teenagehood that you are past and that may never even touch your daughter. You're a great mom. Thank you for writing. Next, I am crushing on a healthcare provider. God. Catherine, after six and a half years of being single, coming out of an abusive relationship, I am finally attracted to someone. Over the past six years, I blocked out all men, as the relationship I was in was so abusive that every man I met, I put on guard. Last year, I went to a psychotherapist for some, oh, physiotherapist, my bad, for some shoulder treatment and found him to be wonderful. The casual convo, he mentioned to me that he was in a relationship. That was enough for me not even to consider him as a potential. However, a friend of mine mentioned to me that he is now single. So I went to see him about my problematic foot and I've seen him three times in the last seven weeks. He is a private physio, not NHS, and I really like him. We chat a lot during the appointment, and we often laugh out loud. I like him a lot, but how do I even approach this without making it awkward? I actually think he might be my Bobby Kay. For context, he's 37 and I'm 39. We're not kids, but I don't wanna make him uncomfortable, and I also know there is some code of contact where you can't date your patients, Please, please, please help me as the thought of him potentially dating someone because I didn't make a move is breaking my heart. He's so handsome and wonderful that I'm sure he'll be snapped up in no time. Help me. Hmm. Oh, God. And now Joanne's written me a letter. Catherine, (laughs) I love that Joanne just chimes in. All right, before my advice, here's Joanne's advice. Catherine, I used to crush on my handsome physio guy. I was just out of my marriage. My husband didn't support or meet any of my emotional needs, and I wasn't taking particularly good care of myself either. Add this to the loneliness of COVID. I likely crushed on physio guy because A, he was the only man with whom I had direct contact for months due to lockdown, and B, he was one of the first steps I took toward taking care of my own health and needs. I wonder if this girl's feeling the same. You could Google rules regarding the psychothera- physiotherapist college in the UK, and I'm guessing NHS or not, he's just not an option. Maybe you have spicer advice. Thanks for that, Joanne. Um, Well, it is very sexy that this man is like in the medical field. He's a private physiotherapist. He is looking after your needs, if you know what I mean, your problematic foot, your shoulder, and you're thinking, ow, I fell and hurt my clit. You know, I don't know what your plans are for him, but uh, I think that, well, I can tell you for certain that one of my friends got off with her Reiki healer and he never lost his license. I think she like had an orgasm on the table or something. And actually he did end their relationship after that. He said, cause you're like an orgasm is some type of chakra, some special like thing. And he could tell she was having an orgasm, I suppose. And he fired her. So that was inappropriate. But so definitely don't have an orgasm the next time you see him for your foot and stop hurting yourself just to be able to make an appointment with this man. I mean, look, You know the way, I know it's been a long time, but I'm sure you know how to flirt with someone without coming off as creepy or violating any like codes of conduct or statutes with physiotherapy. I think you know that there's a way to let him know that you're interested without totally asking him out. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what flirting is anymore, but maybe you could see if he wants to be your friend outside of physio. Be like, Talk about a concert that you're going to or a thing that you're doing with friends and be like, would you ever want to hang out outside physio? Like pitch it like a friendship thing and see if he's even looking to open the door to see you outside of physio. I think that's the first step. And then if you get him in a friendship setting, you'll be able to see more clearly if he acts in a way that is romantic with you there. He's not in the physio setting and you could even make a move in that setting. But I think lure him away from the office and then say that you're interested or you know whatever happens out of the physio place, then it doesn't count as, you know, physio. Catherine, laying down roots, his country or mine. I hope you or a listener can help me with my dilemma. My fiance and I have just returned from a sabbatical. Before we went traveling, he lived in his flat in London, but we would now like to move closer to nature and buy a house with lots of space for hobbies and raise our children there in the future. Because our new jobs are fully remote, this house could be anywhere in Europe. However, after much thought, I would like to remain in the UK, whereas my fiancé would like to return to Italy, where he is from. He moved to London a decade ago, and we've both loved living in a major international city, and would stay here in a heartbeat if we could afford it. See, this is the thing. I think a lot of people are fleeing London because the housing prices are, like, unconscionable. Like, I really don't know. We don't live in central London. We live in the country. We're like right on the edge. I, it's almost impossible unless you bought a long time ago or you're renting to buy a house big enough for you to have children and have any semblance of nature in central London. It's like out of this world. I love those accounts where they go, this is what a million dollars will get you in Peckham. And it's like a studio flat. My fiance wants to move to Italy for the obvious reasons, cheaper property. The weather, the natural landscape, the food. He doesn't want to move to the British countryside because he feels that he wouldn't gel with men whose hobby is going to the pub Fair. He understandably points to the fact that properties in Italy are way better than anything we can afford in the UK. He would like to move near his parents' place in Italy for future child care help. My family is in the UK. On my side, even if I love our visits to Italy, and I do speak a little Italian, I know I would be happier raising children in a society and culture that I'm comfortable and familiar with. I am British, but I moved to London from France, where I grew up a decade ago, and it was the best decision I ever made. I think the UK... Whoa, whoa. I think the UK education system is nicer and better. The UK is decades ahead of Italy technologically, and I like the life I have here. Also, I don't think I would gel with the Italians who have spent their whole lives in Italy. I've seen friends who've moved to their partner's home countries and the isolation of having children was compounded by the isolation that comes from living in a foreign land. My fiance and I have had many conversations about this, but we're struggling to get beyond the incompatibility in our plans. Right now, neither of us wants to compromise on the country, so we are at a dead end. Perhaps your experience of how Bobby left Canada to live with you in the UK could inform a response. I don't think he's that happy here, to be honest with you. (laughs) I think he likes it. He's never really made the same kind of solid groups of friends that he had in Canada. And Bobby, having been an athlete, had, you know, he was around like minded men, like big groups of men a lot of the time. He has a big family, loads of sisters, nieces, and nephews. His mom and his stepdad were close. Like he has loads of roots in Canada. And really, so do I. I moved here and I didn't like it at first, but I was younger and I worked in an office and I made friends and then I had my daughter. And like, I count my nuclear family to be my family. And we're very lucky that we can fly back. Well, we can't fly back to Canada that often because the kids are a nightmare age for flights, but we can fly people here. We can see people and we have technology to keep in touch and we speak the same language, but with a weird accent. So I think overall, Bobby's happy here, but he certainly misses his friends. He certainly does, and his family. Um, And I think that I understand where you're coming from, being worried about that as well. You're like, I don't want to live in Italy and have Italian kids. To be very honest with you, if I was working remotely, though, and Bobby wanted to move to Italy, and we could have a nicer house there, and we could actually make roots and grow our family there, I would be into it. Italy is fucking stunning. I think that it's important to maybe... If you can, I don't know how soon you're looking to have kids, but right now you guys are in London. Why don't you say, okay, I'll do six months in Italy. Let's rent a place. And I know it's expensive, but you could Airbnb the place you have here or wait till your lease is up here if that's your situation. And then find somewhere that's lovely, affordable, even maybe travel around Italy. Because the other thing is if you're about to have a family and you're considering kids, like do all of the fun shit that you can do right now. Travel around Italy. There are so many beautiful things to see. And really get a taste for it and try to stay longer than a vacation, if you know what I mean. Travel a bit, but have a space where you get to know the local cafe owner and you get to maybe meet some friends. And that's what I did when I first came here is I I actually felt excited about the anonymity of it. I was like, oh my God, nobody here knows anything about me and I could be anyone in this country and look who I became. And you can do that in Italy. And then at least if you guys decide to come back to the UK, he will know that you really tried. And if it is an impasse and you really can't come to agreement, then you're not right for each other. But I would give it a good go in Italy first before saying no. Because you have, you know, everything's to play for right now. You're still young and hot, and you guys can just go wherever. You work remotely. I mean, why is it UK or Italy? Like, go to fucking Bali. Like, go somewhere awesome. I have the babysitter for six more minutes. One more email. (laughs) This is long. Oh, good. But I've shared it with you in its entirety because it seems super unlawful. It almost sounds like this company needs a visit from Joe Lycett. Oh, thank you, Joanne. Catherine, I'm 23 years old. I've been listening to your podcast the last few weeks. I love listening to someone speak so candidly about topics I want to hear about. I'm not sure how to start. And to be honest, it's getting quite hard to go through this story again, but this is my situation. Oh, no. In November of last year, I started in a graduate scheme at an insurance company. This was meant to be a four year contract where we're taught all we need to know about the industry with the only requirement being a university degree and something related to mathematics. No other technical requirements are needed. The December after I started, I underwent an abortion and it was the loneliest I'd ever felt. I cried constantly out of guilt. I couldn't tell anyone at work out of fear of shame. So I just got back to work the following week as if nothing happened. In the coming year, I had a change of manager and had to sit finance exams in April, as well as resits from my master's. Shortly after these exams, I was told that my probation was being extended for another six months, despite never having had or been given negative feedback. They gave me new targets for this extension, with some of their targets set concerning training that my team hadn't even been given yet. So basically, they were setting targets I could not have even reached in my original probation. I kept working. I kept getting positive feedback. Fast forward to August and my hormonal birth control failed. I had to have a second abortion in under a year. This time I went to my line manager and explained that I may be distracted at work because of it. Two days later, at one of my probation meetings, I was sat alone opposite my manager, 45 male, and his manager, 40s male. And they told me that they both now knew about my abortion The meeting wasn't about anything medical or personal so being told this completely blindsided me i went to hr and instead of offering support she defended the actions of these managers and asked if it was my intention to become a mother or if i was planning this i called my doctor for a sick note and took two weeks off to recover both physically and emotionally I get back to work and again, keep doing my tasks and keep doing what they expected of me. I get to the end of my six month extension and I'm told they're extending it by another month with their reasoning being that I took several weeks off. Well, actually I took two weeks off. When I questioned this, they said, I also took a few days holiday the last six months, AKA holiday that everyone is entitled to. As of today, they've continued to adjust my targets with less than a month to go before I reach the end of this probation extension. They keep moving my goalposts, and I feel more and more defeated. No matter how well I do, my managers will only give me the negative feedback as if it justifies their actions. Not only that, but many of my colleagues, both grads and senior staff, now know of my situation, minus some of the more personal medical things. And the general consensus that has come back has been that I've been treated unfairly. Many of the older grads are confused as to why my targets are more advanced than theirs were in the first year working for the company. Huh. I feel so crushed. Whenever I try, it doesn't work. And above all else, I just miss my mom living alone in London, trying to deal with all of this is hard. What has happened here? this I wish you could tell me the name of the company. She has not told me, but if anyone specializes in HR and knows about this kind of thing, it seems mental just like moving the targets moving the targets like you're a little hamster on a wheel like trying to get to the end and you think you're getting to the end it's totally unreasonable as far as i'm concerned but if you have some real material advice for her or for any of the other listeners who've written in or if you would like to write me a brand new letter please send that to telling everybody everything at gmail.com thank you so much for listening get my book if you would like it it's called the audacity if you don't have it already please follow me on socials my instagram is at Cathbum. and if you love telling everybody everything please share it tell your friends make a cheeky little post about it because that's how people will start listening to it too i'll see you next week